like in this song, like in the intro or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll play with it and then I'll get it to you. Okay. How you feeling, man? Forgive me for being late. I'll, oh, I'll... it's all good, man. I'm good. Um, I am in honor of the new day. I am uh, fixing pancakes this morning. Um, you know, pescatarian diet. I can't uh-huh. eat, I can't eat meat, right? Yeah. So one of the things I've been playing with with my fish is um like salmon and waffles, salmon and pancakes. And what I do is I season it. I'm, I'm a great I'm a great seasoner, right? My wife wants me to season everything. I do it, <laughs> I do it so well. So yeah. I season I season my fish and then I put syrup on it. That with the pancakes and the salmon is so good. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mess with you because you said you're a pescatarian, but you're eating eggs. Like I don't why don't people understand that eggs or meat is chicken? But it's, you know what? It's but no judgment. Eggs. It's eggs are eggs. Eggs is from a chicken. Yeah, but from a chicken. You're e- you're eating you're eating an aborted baby fetus. That's what you're eating. Sorry. <laughs> I need the protein. <laughs> I was looking up recipes and uh, I saw this one recipe. It's a great vegetarian breakfast. It had eggs. I'm like, that's not vegetarian. What are you, what are you guys doing? Well, yeah, so vegeta- it's not vegetarian, but it's, I think it falls in the... Anyway, listen, we're not here to talk about my diet. <laughs> we're here to talk about this is the first episode of the podcast, Preachers and Pinfalls. So, Dante, I'm going to throw it to you. Yes, sir. I'm going to let you introduce the show, introduce us. You are the captain of this ship. You are the Vince McMahon of this. I'm just John, I'm John Laurinaitis, okay? Or I couldn't think of a more adequate um, example. I guess I can be like Pat Briscoe or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, well, this, like, like this is the Preachers and Pinfalls podcast. Um, it is literal. Uh, we are two preachers, two pastors that are talking about pro wrestling. Uh, we're not talking about the biblical context of pro wrestling. Um, although we probably could, but we're not. Um, so I'm Pastor Dante with Pastor Des. And uh, so the way I want to start, since this is the first episode, and we got a lot to get into, and everybody knows that preachers can talk. But we're going to try to keep this thing to 60 minutes. 60 um, minutes. So, how did you become a wrestling fan? Uh, so, growing up in Gary, late at night, USA is what the WWE still comes on USA, but it, around that time, it came on at eight, like 8 o'clock on Monday nights. And um, I don't know, I just kind of fell into it. My cousin, who was a... That's who really got me introduced into wrestling. My cousin, who is Joseph Cruz, my first best friend. We grew up together. We are we are the same age, you know, a few few months apart. He was in the wrestling before me, so he was watching WCW. He was big in Bret Hart. Like he, his dad got him the VHS tapes when okay. they came out, right? And so we would always watch that stuff. He had the wrestling figures, the WWE ring, the WWF then ring, and so he was my first introduction into wrestling. You know. I remember specifically like the moment I fell in love with it. We um he had a birthday party. I think he was turning eleven or ten, something like that. This was back in nineteen ninety six five. That 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 math seems off, but it was it was in the mid nineties. Um, he had a birthday party. He had some friends, which normally didn't happen. Normally, a birthday party was just us, like the cousins, because he's we're Puerto Rican. So Puerto Ricans don't really, we don't mess with people outside of the family. <laughs> so it's normally just us, like, and cake. But this birthday, he had friends from school come over. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, this is weird. So we, we, um, they all came over, and he had a cheetah box. His dad had a cheetah box. And um, we pulled up, I think it was a, a Royal Rumble. And we watched that. And that was my first time watching a wrestling pay-per-view. And it was different. I was used to watching Monday Night Raw, but okay. this, this was different than Monday Night Raw. It was like a real pay-per-view, and it was just a spectacle, man. The, the lights, the how everything's put together, the stars were a little extra. In fact, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the match 
That was the Royal Rumble where The Rock went against Mankind in the I Quit match. And The Rock had the recording. Mankind wouldn't say I quit. So Rock had the recording of Mankind saying, I quit, I quit. And he used that in the match. He played it. I think that was the night that happened. And from that moment on, I was like, wow, this is something more than just a Monday night thing. This is like legit. And so that began my my love, my fascination for, for professional wrestling. Wow. So just to show the, the, the age gap here. So I also, from Gary, Indiana, got into wrestling. I didn't have cable. So way, way back in the day, before WGBO was a Spanish station, they would show world-class championship wrestling on Saturday mornings. And I remember seeing the fabulous Freebirds, Michael P.S. Hayes, Jimmy Jam Garvin, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, uh, go against the Von Erich brothers. And I was hooked. But I would say the one, the one, my first memory that really hooked me was my play cousin, uh, Archie Hughes Jr. I was over his house. Uh, his mom and my mom grew up together. They were really, really close. I don't think I, I don't think I was smartened up that they weren't really sisters till I was probably <laughs> in ninth grade. And we watched the first Clash of the Champions. I was nine years old. It was on TBS, the Superstation, and I saw Ric Flair and Sting wrestle us. It wasn't a sixty-minute Broadway, but I want to say it was about. Maybe about a 45-minute uh, Broadway. They wrestled to a draw. And the way those two guys just held that audience, like in the palm of their hand, between that match and watching the Rock and Roll Express wrestle the Midnight Express, I was hooked. Like that, well, yeah, that, the- that, did, that did it for me. So you can see. That was what the eighties or or uh, the first Clash of the Champions was nineteen eighty eight. So I was so I was yeah I was nine years old. I was born in nineteen eighty eight, so you can clearly see <laughs> the age difference. I was in my mother's belly. <laughs> I was about to come out, um, and you were watching professional wrestling. And I was watching professional wrestling. Well, that it definitely shows the age gap. Um, but we're two wrestling fans. You know, um, Dante is what's your thirty? I am. I am thirty nine. Thirty nine. I'm yeah, all I'll, thirty. So yeah, I'll, I will be. I will be forty in July. I'll be. I'll be thirty one in July. Oh my gosh, we are just connected by the hip. You are the. You're yes. the Marty. You're the Marty Janetti to my Shawn Michaels, man. I don't. I don't think so, brother. <laughs> Listen, I will honorably just because I'm older. I will be the Ric Flair to your Randy Orton. I take that. I, you know I love Randy. You know I love Randy. So I take that. I'm glad but, I take that. Randy, <laughs> am I not? All right, all right. It's fine. Okay, so let's jump into it. You've got um, a list. There's so much happening in the universe today, yeah. man. Um, so much, so much happening. When I say universe, for those listening, I'm referencing the WWE universe. <laughs> I still have to get used to that. I'm still not used, even though it's been WWE for like 10 years. I'm, I really want to just say the wrestling fan, right? The WWF family, but I can't because I don't want to get sued. Um, so I'm trying to really make sure I use the right vernacular. What's the first thing on the docket that we're talking about, Dante? Well, before we get to the big, big stuff, let's talk about some goings on outside of the ring. So okay. there is the biggest thing, it's WrestleMania season, so the biggest thing outside of the ring um is the WWE Hall of Fame. And so there are two things I really want to touch on when you talk about the Hall of Fame. Number one, after this Hall of Fame, this is important, there will be three two-time Hall of Famers. Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, and Booker T. Can you dig that? Sucker. Well, I, we talked about this. Um, you and I talked about this on, over the phone. I'm, I'm glad that they're doing it. Well, I think that they would be fools to deny 
Booker T um, into the Hall of Fame because I mean, you think about the the invasion angle that they had when WCW came over. You had a handful of guys. You had DDP. You had Scott Steiner. You had the NWO. You had Booker T. You had um, Buff Bagwell. I don't know why he was even there, <laughs> and a few other minor players. Oh wait, go listen to um, Bruce Pritchard's podcast about the invasion. Like Vince really wanted Bagwell. Really? Yeah, he thought Bagwell was something. It's not that he wasn't something, but he, was he something. just didn't. He didn't translate over into WWF, right? But out of all of those, go Bill Goldberg, right? Out of all of those guys, a few of them really remain their prominence. <laughs> Booker yeah. T was one of the guys that really he carried that invasion angle, and then after it was over, um, he he was still a main primetime player. Became King of the Ring. He was the World Heavyweight Champion. Of course, we remember Booker King Booker. Um, we remember um, his wonderful feud with Stone Cold. And then, not to mention the work he did um, in WCW with Harlem Heat. You know, this tag team transcended what it meant to be a tag team. And when I say that, uh, to my perspective, they embody the idea of taking on a character and really living that, like, art becomes life, light becomes art. They weren't playing Harlem Heat. You know, they were hard on me. That's who they, these guys from Brooklyn, that's who they were. And they could wrestle, man. And I, you can't deny them. I think that out of all of the, you know, WCW people that they deserve, Booker T especially deserves to be in, in the Hall of Fame. So I see him, uh, I'm glad that he's got two rings because out of everybody from WCW, I really think that, and listen, I'm going to go ahead and say this, Dante, I may get some, raise eyebrows. I may get some people's eyebrows when I say this. I think that out of all of the WCW guys, I will put Booker T more, more deserving than Goldberg, um, than, than a Sting. Because the guy's been working in WWF behind and in front of the scenes. Uh, he, deserve, he deserves this. He deserves it. Hello? Did I, did I lose you? Check, check. Dante, did you get mad and hang up? Oh, there you go. No, I can, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, you came back. Okay. So, um, before I completely disagree with you. Oh, yes. I love it. Disagree away, sir. Disagree away. Why, why do you disagree? Uh, right before WGBO transferred over to a Spanish station, they got their start with the, with uh, in, in Texas. Uh, first with uh, Fritz von Erich, then with Paul Bosch, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like if this hits social media, somebody will correct me. Um, but I didn't really start watching the WWF maybe until the mid-90s, because that's when I got cable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched WWF mostly through VHS. So, But I could watch WCW because WCW came on like two network channels and I would go off my cousin's house and my cousin was huge in the NWA, huge in WCW. You look at the tag teams from that era and I would even argue including the WWF. This side of the Steiner brothers and I would even put them over the Steiner brothers. Harlem Heat was the best tag team of the 1990s. I think they're better than New Age Outlaws. They're better than the Smoking Guns. They were better than the Steiners. They were better than the Road Warriors because the Road Warriors were really great in the 80s. Um, they were they were better than pretty. They were the top tag team, hands down, of the 1990s. When we and, and listen. Go out of your way to YouTube Harlem Heat promos because, man, Stevie Ray, Stevie Ray was a great promo. He was a great promo. So they deserve it. Go get your things. He was. He was. He was. He was one of the best promos. And then, and then you drop Sherry between the the two of them. Oh my goodness! So. And they, 
They were fantastic. Now, let me disagree with you about. Yeah, so, where do we disagree? About Booker T. He was the best. So, there were, it, there were really, if you go back and look at that failed invasion, and it failed because all the top guys after WCW closed, they sat home and collected their money until their contracts ran out. So you didn't you didn't get you didn't get the original NWO. True. You didn't get, you didn't get Hogan, Nash, and Hall. No, well they they, they no we, we did get them right. They didn't come immediately no, 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 right after the company closed. Okay, 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 okay. You didn't get them after the company closed. You didn't get Scott Steiner. You didn't get Ray Mysterio. Uh, and you didn't get Goldberg. And you didn't get Sting. You didn't get them like after the show closed, and that was it. That last Nitro. And then maybe a month later, Booker T shows up and interferes with Steve Austin. You didn't get those guys. You're right. You're right. You didn't get them to one, two, and I want to say in the case of Ray, almost three years later, because, and, and this is no knock on them, because if you somebody told me, hey, you can either make this, void this contract for a million dollars a year, or let your contract run out and then you can come when the contract's done. Please believe I am going to probably uh, sit home and collect that contract money. So they sat home. So they sat home and collected their money. Um, but Sting, Sting and, and Bret Hart, for different reasons, kind of have the same spotlight. Sting, Sting has a huge what if. I, I, I grew up, like I said, the, the, the first, when I fell in love with wrestling, I fell in love with wrestling watching Sting and Ric Flair. I watched Sting and Ric Flair wrestle 45 minutes, and I was hooked with Sting uh, from 1988. I, I, I saw the evolution of Sting from Beach Sting to Sting helping out the horsemen and then getting put out the horsemen and uh, fast forward to the 90s, and they thought he was a member of the NWO, that he sits in the crow's nest, and he becomes crow state. Uh, and, and he even had a really good TNA run. But everyone will always wonder, what if Sting would have came to WWE in the prime of his career? That will always be the question mark. Because according to Sting and Ric Flair and Bruce Pritchard, WWE they tried to get Sting before WrestleMania six in 1990. They tried to get him in the early 90s, and they tried to get him right after the company closed. Vince wanted Sting for a while, and Sting never went for whatever reason. And God bless him. You look at interviews with Sting; he has no regrets. Bret Hart will always have a mark on his career because his WCW run was so bad. Mm-hmm. And it was bad as, as everyone, even Bret said, he wasn't invested. He wasn't, he wasn't invested in WCW. He went because they offered him more money and he did it, quite frankly. When you listen to everybody's story and, and kind of draw your own conclusion, he did it to stick it to Vince. Because Vince... Gave him this contract, couldn't pay him, and he couldn't pay him because, quite frank, at that point in his career, Brett was pretty beat up. And Vince said, "Look, I can't pay you this now, but I'll give it back to you." And, and Brett Hart's ego, I would argue, even if he wouldn't have went to WCW and stayed in the WWE, Brett's ego cost him. I think what should have been the greatest wrestling rivalry of all time. He and Shawn Michaels oh, yeah. sh- should have done at WrestleMania what Rock and Stone Cold did. And he missed out. Now, now in the middle of that, of course, was Shawn Michaels' injury. But, I mean, man, they, they missed it. But, uh, so, I think you brought so, up so, a couple. So, 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 my, so, so in conclusion. In conclusion. Conclude, uh, uh, Booker T., had the best post-WCW career of anybody in WWE, hands down. So how were you disagreeing with me? Because I said the same thing. Because, because, 
because because uh, as far as guys from WCW, he's not better than Sting. No, no, no. He ain't. I'm not saying. I'm saying as far as their contribution to WWE, right? I'm there's no way is he better than Sting. Oh, I but, he didn't, Sting didn't really have one. But that's my that's point. That's my right? point. That's my point. Yeah. My exact point. Like Goldberg okay. didn't really have one. Sting didn't really have one. And those guys oh got rings. Both Sting's run. Goldberg's run and his first run in WWE was so it was bad. It was trash. It was trash, right? Awful. And so comparing, comparing, right? Like when I think okay. of Booker T in WWE, in the WWE ring, he's had two good runs to me. Two good runs being right after the invasion with that run with Stone Cold. And then another good run he had with me was that whole, even though it was a debacle at the end, his rival with, with Triple H. And then he had some oh my stuff in, in between there. So please, he had. Please don't, please don't forget that because we got to talk about that when we talk he, about Kofi. He, all right, all right. He had two really good runs, but he's never had a bad time. It's like I almost want to compare it, and this is going to be a bad comparison. So don't crucify me, people. But I think when I think about Booker T, it, it makes me think about Y2J. Like Y2J has never had a bad run in WWE. Never. Oh. He's oh, no, never. I think that's, that's a good comp. He's never had a bad. You know, everything he did was good. If not good, it was great. So I think about the same thing with Booker T. Although it was shorter and length, it did not lack quality. Like everything, everything Booker T did in this time. I'm even talking about his rivalry with The Rock when it was the book's end versus The Rock's bottom. Well, the Rock bottom. When when um, Booker T inevitably joined the new NWO led by Shawn Michaels and then Shawn Michaels sweet chinned him in the face. Like, all of that was good because I... Wait. What? Don't forget Booker T and Goldust. Uh, yes, yes. Like, that tag team was great. And Goldie was great. That proves my point further. Like, Booker T did no wrong in WWE because Booker a, T he was a great performer. He was a great worker. And he just, to me, a great performer. Like, he, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I clap my hands. I'm, exci- I'm he, excited. He made everything work in WWE. And I'll say this. Go out of your way to YouTube uh, Harlem Heat versus the Steiners. Man, those, those were some of the best tag team matches you'd ever want to see. Okay. What we got next? What we got next? Where we going next? Okay, so uh, we talked about the Hall of Fame, uh, which was big news outside the ring. Um, so she wants a cracker. (laughs) And now she's crying because I have small children. Yes, I do too. So, um. Well, let's jump. Let's jump uh, into fast lane real quick, and briefly, kind of. I'll just kind of glean the important stuff from fast lane. Um, I think the most important thing from fast lane was, um, you know, how Ronda Rousey helped Becky Lynch get into what. Many are saying is the main event of WrestleMania. So I guess my first question is, should these ladies close the show? Can these ladies close the show? Um, I'm going to be honest. I was nervous when they announced the triple threat. I was really invested into Becky versus Ronda. I thought that would have been a great way to close the show. Um, I think that would have been a great way to close the show. I, I love, I love Charlotte. Out of all of the WWE performers, I'm not even going to say um, female performers. Now, out of all of the WWE athletes, Becky is one of my favorite on the current roster. We all know I have a love and infa- infatuation for Randy Orton. Um, but currently, Ran- Randy and Charlotte, Charlotte Flair are like my... I love Charlotte. She's, she's, she has the look. She has the, the mic skill. Oh, my God. She's so good on the mic. And her in-ring ability. Dante, I have I haven't seen anybody in a long time, other than Randy since Randy Orton, since Randy Orton that, that can move 
the way so effortlessly and everything she does looks beautiful. She does it with such grace and it looks so easy. I love Becky. I love Charlotte. I love Becky. I, I, I love Becky's character. I, I've liked Becky for a really long time. I So I was okay. I say that to say I was okay with it just being Becky and Rhonda. When they wanted to add Charlotte into it, I was like, eh. Because triple threat matches, as you know, can be rather difficult. Um, and especially with Rhonda still being, she's not totally green. You know, I give Rhonda her due. She surprised me. She surprised a lot of the universe. She's performing very well inside of the ring. <clears throat> I would say she's not even a novice anymore. She knows what she's doing between those ropes. But she's still not a veteran. When you take somebody who's red hot like that, who's white hot, and still a tad bit green and put them in a main eventer, but that's a triple threat, that's hard. Because now you have to know timing a little more you have to really depend on storytelling. And I think the story was good between Becky and Rhonda already. Adding Charlotte is like, I, I, I just kind of feel like they did it because of Charlotte. She's at the top of the food chain. She just needed to be added in there. I, I wasn't really for that. But the way that they've been telling the story, I'm invested now in the triple threat match. Um, I think that they will be able to close the show. I, I, th- I think so. I think that Becky's going to hold her own. I know Becky's going to hold her own. I know, I know Charlotte's going to hold her own. And I believe Rhonda's going to hold her own because, not because of her great in-ring ability, but because she's told a great story. And because of the story that she's telling, this narrative she's putting out, I think that's what's going to carry her over in WrestleMania um, to tell a great story. I do think, I'll say my predictions of who I think is going to win the match. I think we all know who's going to win the match, Becky. But um, the man is going to win the match. But I, I think that Ronda is going to be able to put together a compelling story in between those ropes that's going to make it believable. That, that was my thing. Can Ronda make her story believable? And she's been doing a great job of doing that. Here's the thing. Um, <laughs> we should have known better when it comes to Ronda Rousey's ability to transition. Number one, because we've seen it. We saw it in, in Kurt Angle. So what's the comparison? People forget that uh, Ronda Rousey, before she was Ronda Rousey, and this iconic mixed martial artist, she won a bronze medal in judo. She is an Olympic caliber athlete. And when I I saw her match against Naya, the way she just gave her body to Naya and let Naya bump her all over, she bumps like a million dollars. And I'm like, I should have saw this. Because she is, she, she, Ronda Rousey's a freak athlete. She is. So we should have saw that. I am a fan of college football. And college football now has a playoff. And you always get to this argument between best and most deserving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Becky, Becky's there because Becky got white hot. I mean, when when Nia broke her face, um, that shot her to the moon. It did. And they allowed Becky to be more of herself, just with the volume turned all the way up. You knew Ronda was going to be women's champion sooner rather than later for a simple reason. She's Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to see it. And then there's Charlotte. And I, I, think, I think of that part from Dumb and Dumber where Jim Carrey goes, when I don't, when I think you can't do anything dumber, man, you just come back and, and you just do great. I was like, no, no, no triple threat. Don't do it, Vince. Don't do it. I said, don't do it, Vince. It's not, they deserve the spotlight. I love it. I'm, I'm loving the story because Rhonda still stinks at one thing. She's, her, her promos are not very good. No, they're not. Her, uh, she, she is trying to act. Mm-hmm. She still tries to act. Yeah. And she doesn't understand. Just go out and be Ronda. Mm-hmm. But, but you're not UFC Ronda. You're Rowdy Ronda Rousey. So just turn, turn the volume up. Um, and that's why her promos don't work for me. Um, so... But you drop in what Charlotte's doing, 
I'm looking at, I'm like, she has fully embraced the flair mystique. Oh, she has. Oh, my she's God. Coming out. She's got the Louis belt. She's wearing the Rolex. Yeah, you know she's, what? I, here's the thing. Many, oh people, many people are not she's noticing those subtle flair. things, right? No, many she's, people are noticing the subtle Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton belt. Like, that's, that's so ingenious. I love it. Even the way she delivers her promos, that is so Rick Flair. Well, she'll go, and Rhonda, I'm like, she draws out her words very subtle, yeah, nuanced. That, yeah, yeah. that is so her dad. She, and, and she's the first, second, third generation wrestler, in my opinion, that has fully embraced the mystique of her family member. And it works. You, you're right. Yeah, like, I, I, I couldn't see. Uh, Curtis Axel trying to embrace the Mr. Perfect persona. I don't think it would work. Just like the reason they booed Dwayne Johnson, because he tried to be Soul Man Rocky Johnson. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. This works for Charlotte. And she deserves that spot simply because right now, I don't care if anybody says right now, her body of work, she's the greatest female wrestler of all time. Oh yeah, most most definitely. She's the best talker. She has the best presentation, and she's the best worker, hands down. It's not even close. So that's why she deserves to be in the match. And I love the way they did it because I'm Vince McMahon. I can do what I want. I want her in the main event. Just come out and say it. I love it. But I thought I would hate it, and WWE <laughs> WWE made me love it. Yeah, they they did. They, they, I love the way they. I love the way they made. They made me love it. Um, so, Fastlane did an awesome job of getting us set for for WrestleMania. I, I think they set the table. Another thing, maybe not not um, as important to some as it is to others, but I'm wondering here since Beth Phoenix got into it with the. Uh, the uh, pernicious Polynesians, Tamina and Nia Jax, uh, and Natty came to help her. We're gonna see. Yeah, you are. You uh, are. Tamina versus Pin Up Strong. Hey, you are. I've always had on Beth Phoenix, and she still looks like she can punch somebody in the face pretty hard. Um, they need to do a uh, because which one? One of them is Beth already in the Hall of Fame. That's in the Hall. Yeah, so they needed to have a Legends match at WrestleMania. What they're doing, and you can you can clearly see it. They're transitioning the women's division to mimic, and they, they should have done this to mimic more of the men's division. So you would always have um, the top WWE guys go against Hall of Famers. You know, Y two J did it. Um, it always it always happens, right? They pick. A- I, wonder, I wonder if Beth is going to be set up for a not a, a, a fairly lengthy, maybe a year run. Number one, she still looks like she can go. Um, and she didn't retire due to injury. She retired because she wanted to start a family. Right, 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 right. Because the one thing they do need, the women do need, they need depth in that tag team division. Um, and here's, here's the thing, right? I think, and I don't want to get, I don't want to stay on, I, I can go on and on about this. So if I ramble, just stop me. But Okay. Because I have thoughts about Beth Phoenix. I have thoughts about, um, um, What's her name? Ah, uh, Hart. God, I forgot her name. That just proves my point. Italian Nightheart. So I'm not, I never was the biggest fan of, of Beth Phoenix. Neither am I a huge fan of, of um, I forgot her name again, Nat- uh, Natty, Natalia Hart. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear that screech, I'm like, oh, Brett, no, it's just Natalia. <laughs> I, I, and not because she's like not a good performer or because she's a woman. It's none of that. I just don't like her. Like, I, as a character, I'm not invested in her. And so I don't know if I want to see a run of Beth and Natalia as, because Natalia just doesn't seem genuine to me. It, to me, man, Natalia has not found herself as it relates to an in-ring performer. Let me tell you when she was, when I enjoyed her. I enjoyed her not as a part of the Hart Dynasty, but when you had Tyson Kidd, and and you had um, what was his name? Um, D. H. Smith, Davy Smith, right? When you had the 
it was something about that dynamic that made Natalia stick out and you really yeah. took notice of her. But when due to injuries, when those guys left and it was just Natalia on her own, she kind of, to me, got lost in the shuffle of who, who is she going to be? So you saw her imitate a Beth Phoenix. You saw her imitate Bret Hart. Like, you saw her do these imitations, but to me, she hasn't found her voice. And that's why I really can't mesh with her because she hasn't found her voice. And then Beth is just like, I've never been... I, I don't know. I, whenever I see Beth, I think of Santino Morella. You know, I just think of... <laughs> and just, you know, uh, I cringe. I think the, the thing with Natty and Beth was when they, when they came on, they, you know, one thing I hear when I listen to Eric Bischoff's podcast and I listen to Chris Jericho's podcast and I listen to Bruce Pritchard's, the timing is so important. It is. It is. And if they would have come along five years before they did, they would have been in with Trish and Lita yeah. and Victoria and China and Jackie and Molly Holly, um, you know, that whole crew. If they would have came maybe 10 years after they did, they would be in with Charlotte and Sasha. But they came like yeah. right in the middle of this transition yeah. where, where, where Vince wanted pinup models. Mm-hmm. So they had a great rivalry with Cool, But when Michelle McCool left and Layla left, there were no workers left. And so what you saw was you saw two square pegs in round holes. You're right. And what and, and now because Natty stayed, she's the den mother. She's the veteran. Mm-hmm. She's the one that one of Natty's best matches was against Charlotte at NXT. And they let they let those girls go for about a half an hour. And Natty got Charlotte over. So I'm wondering if you use this veteran tag team to get younger tag teams over. I, I get you. That, when you put it that way, yeah. When you, when you put it that way. You need depth and you need you still need names and you need tag teams to get to get these guys over. So let's um let's let's move on down the road, if you will. You got 12 minutes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I see that. So, um, well, let, let's just let's just get into coffee. I, let, let, coffee. Let's get let's get into coffee. coffee. Let's get. So Dante, let coffee. me tell you. Let me. I'm because we talked about when this first happened, like elimination chamber. I was on my living room couch. You were on your living room couch. <laughs> we were on the phone with each other, saying, "Dude, I cannot believe they might let Kofi win this match. They might let Kofi win this match." They might let Kofi win this match. To the moment that Kofi was on top of that um of that pod with Daniel Bryan kicking him in the chest, banging his head against the cage, I said, they're going to let Kofi win this match. Now, history shows he did not win the match. But we the match. were still hopeful that, okay, Kofi's going to WrestleMania and he's going to face this new eco-friendly Daniel Bryan. I said, I said to you, they're only doing this. No. I said they teased us because it's Black History Month. <laughs> and this is the last day of Black History Month and they want to give us that. My point, I thought, was proven when, when Vince comes out and he says, Coffee, <laughs> I'm the replacement for you. And it's Kevin freaking Owens. Right? People were upset because as I was looking through social media, looking through Twitter, looking at YouTube videos, People were upset, but not as upset had they been if it was not Kevin Owens. Like, a good general, a good majority of people were like, well, I'll take this. You know, it's Kevin. It's Kevin freaking Owens. Some people were still upset, but not as upset. But, but when he announced that Kofi has, he has to, we know he's going to beat everybody in the gauntlet. And we know that Kofi's, they, they built a story around Kofi going to WrestleMania, and I always refer to refer back to this. I remember, this was months ago, when you said, we will always have these debates about the New Day and their prominence and them being one of the greatest stables uh, in the company. 
And if you put gold on all of them, you can keep them together. And I would always say, I had the idea that they need to break up in order for them to be great. And you were like, no, that you can keep them together. And and now I think that we're seeing that. I think that what we're moving into, we're, 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 moving, we're, we're about to see um, Xavier Woods and Big E, they're going to get the tag team titles. And it looks like Kofi's going to end up with that um, with that with that belt, I, I I'm kind of at a crossroads though. I don't know if they're gonna put the belt on him, because this is this is how they, in my mind, this is what they do. If they put the belt on Becky, they have to put the belt on Kofi. You know, like Kofi is now what Daniel Bryan was a few years ago against Batista and Randy Orton in that match. Everybody wants Kofi, and so you you've got to do it. If you don't do it. There has to be a bigger story, but I don't. I don't see them not doing it. So I can see them not doing it because they've done it before. Yeah, true. You, true. Reference, you, you reference Booker T and Triple H. There's no way that story should not, especially when Booker T looked at Triple H and said, "Don't hate the player, hate the game." But listen, but listen, that was a different era. That was a totally different era. Vince did not do... I'm glad you said it. Because similar storyline happened between Lex Luger and Ron Simmons. And Ron Simmons won. Even before that, when Ron Simmons beat Vader to become the first black WCW heavyweight champion, it was that similar, you know, people like us storyline. When when Triple H told Booker T, you know, you should be getting my bags, this, that, and the other. There's no way that should have paid off at Mania and Booker T. Those storylines lend itself to the babyface winning. Just like when Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar at No Way Out to become the WWE champion. You said what? I don't, I don't want to see Kofi Kingston get Booker T'd. No, I don't, I don't either. I don't either. I... Because, because everything about this says Kofi win. But you know, now, I have to refer to Randy Orton. I have to refer to Randy because we can't forget the lead up into this. Mm-hmm. When Kofi Kingston um, um, oh God, what's his move? The uh, ah... When he kicks them in the trouble. head. When he does a trouble, trouble on paradise at Randy Orton. And he yells, stupid, stupid. <laughs> at, that, uh-huh. at that moment, I was invested into Kofi Kingston. Because it drew me back to when Randy Orton RKO'd um, Kofi some years ago. Kofi messed up a spot. And, and mm-hmm. Randy inevitably stopped his run. He yelled, stupid, stupid. I remember being so mad at WWE. <laughs> I, remember I that. could not get mad at Randy because I love Randy. Randy could do no wrong. <laughs> I was mad at the institution because Kofi deserved it then. And so I have yes. been invested in Kofi for so many years. And that moment, Dante, when he did the Trouble in Paradise on Randy and he said, stupid, 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 I said, yes. I, I was connected. And to get here, and as I think many people were, con- were connected, were reconnected, into the story because let's not act like WWE has been planning this for so long. It almost sure. seems that all of a sudden Vince was in the back with Triple H, um, Gene, all, the, all of the creative guys and said, you know what? What's to this crowd, pal? <laughs> I want to put, put let's put Kofi in this um, again, see, you, you mentioned timing. This would not mm-hmm. have worked with another competitor to me other than Daniel Bryan. I, 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 I wouldn't have been invested in Kofi versus AJ Styles. It's, 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 there's something not there about that. You know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't have been invested in a Kofi versus who was another champion recently? Um, a Jinder Mahal. You know, you know, like it wouldn't have been the same. It only don't hit gender, brother. It, it only works with Daniel Bryan for some reason because their stories. Because Daniel Bryan has become what he hated, and now Kofi represents what Daniel Bryan used to be. So the juxtaposition there is great storytelling. Mm-hmm. I'm if they do not put the belt on Kofi, I'm going to be heartbroken because the timing is now. The timing it's is perfect. now. It's perfect. 
I think this is a perfect time. A perfect time. You, you, we, it's been a very, very long time, ironically enough, during, I want to say the last time, with Evolution, what a surprise, Triple H. And I love Triple H. He's one of my all-time favorites. But Triple H loves Triple H. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great time. Because like I said, you're right. You don't need to split them up. And there was a trio that they always that always stayed together, but would have separate runs. That was the Freebirds. So you can do it. But this is a great time. You put the belt on Kofi. You put the tag titles on Big E and Xavier. Flip a coin, whichever one. Personally, I would like to see Xavier because he's never had a singles championship before. Put the U.S. title on. Give, give New Day all the gold on SmackDown and just let them run. And let them, let them run, get full of themselves, and organically turn heel. Because every time I listen to Xavier Woods, his promo scream, that man's a heel. He's a natural He's a natural heel, yeah. You look at the New Day as, as heels, I'm, I'm Dr. Woods, brother. I'm smarter than all of you. Big E can bench press 600 pounds. I'm stronger than all of you. Kofi is the one of the best performers in the company. I cannot work any of you. Yeah, yeah, Bam. yeah you're right. You're right. You know, I, that's the problem. That's the problem. Just to be the old guy for a minute talking about how wrestling. One of the issues in, in 2019 with over-scripting wrestling, they try to make it too complicated. Yeah. But basic human emotions can still compel people to watch the business. Yeah. When you talk about jealousy, arrogance, betrayal, envy, all of those things. That simple storylines. The New Day can just simply say, we're better than all of you, and we damn tired of tossing pancakes to kids. Now, we know that Vince isn't, isn't going to lose that merch money, so we, I don't think they're going to say that. <laughs> we know we know he's not going to lose that merch money. They are the leading, they're leading the company in merchandise right now, I believe. Oh, yes, they are. But there's one thing I want to touch on that I, I wanted them to get to, and they got to it. Kofi. That is... Your, your, your phone is having like a weird um, Star Trek Spock moment. Um, did it say live long and prosper? Yeah. <laughs> Con! No, it was, it was kind of like, it was sounding a little hollow. Okay. Um, but Kofi said, people like me don't get opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hmm. And Vince basically said, Kofi, you're great, but people like you are B-plus players. I look at R-Truth. To me, when he got the U.S. championship, that was just a lifetime lifetime achievement award. Because I'll never forget listening to an interview with MVP when he was talking about he and R-Truth was in uh, TNA. And uh, he was like, you know, R-Truth's like, yeah, I'm going back to WWE. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. He said, I ain't going to do all this dancing, rapping stuff. AVP said, I got to turn on the TV. I said, man, this fool's still dancing. That you, you, you bring up a good point. Because people like her. So I'm like, okay. I like where they're, because let's just do it. Let's just, it's pro wrestling. Pro wrestling praise, and it should. This is what I love about pro wrestling. It exposes it exposes the issues in society that we don't want to expose. Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, the whole rivalry was all about the elite versus the working class. Mm-hmm. That's why it worked. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. They, WWE has never given a black wrestler the ball. He recognized his dad's accomplishment, but they recognized the Rock Samoan heritage. Booker T was a transitional champion until Batista came back from injury. Mm -hmm. Batista came back, they had one match, Batista won, 
Booker T didn't get a rematch and never sniffed the World Heavyweight Championship again. Mm-hmm. So let's just, I mean, it's there. We, we, we have race issues that we didn't think we had anymore in this country. Let go there with it. Because this is what professional wrestling's always done. So go with it. Look, people like me never get an opportunity. I never complained. I never politicked. Tell me what to do now. So Kofi is going to this gauntlet match. I want I want to touch on I want to touch on something that shocked me. So it, I thought it was going to be pretty obvious that the Miz was going to turn on Shane. Mm. I didn't see Shane turning. Um, dinner in my kitchen watching fast on a laptop and I see Shane pull his heel turn and I'm yelling oh my god it was Shane it was Shane <laughs> somebody said something um, I, I forgot where I heard it uh, maybe it was a, a maybe it was a YouTube channel but somebody said they're finally cashing in on when Shane won the best in the world um, rumble thing at, was that yeah so they, they're finally catching in on that they are but then Shane drops a dud of a promo yeah it was a whack promo I was like maybe that's why Shane's not a heel maybe he's just a McMahon and maybe he's the baby face McMahon but you know what he, he doesn't need to draw promos Shane just has to <laughs> Shane has the easiest promo he and he said it in his promo. I'm your boss. The, the name behind this company is McMahon. I but he, I, I this okay. I, I I was waiting on Shane to. He didn't play into that thought. I mean, this whole you know people coming at me and want something for me. Now I'm doing something for myself. Come on, Shane. Look, Miz. I don't even know why I even associated myself with you. No one likes you. Yeah, that's it. You you irritate everyone, including me. And the truth is, Miz, I used you to become tag team champion. And then when you couldn't cut it and we lost, I was done with you. You think because you got a little TV show and you got a hot wife. Guess what? My wife's pretty hot, too, by the way. Um, and you got a little money that you belong in my league. I'm a McMahon. I was born. I'm the money. That- you knew my. <laughs> that is how you write a promo for a McMahon here. Give me the book. That's it. Give me the book. <laughs> I'm saying, I, 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 he, and you're right, and he doesn't have to deliver like Vince, and he doesn't have to deliver like Stephanie. But play up the simple fact you're, you're Shane McMahon. You're Shane freaking McMahon. You're born into that. So, so uh, the match is going to be great, um, but the buildup won't be. All, all that good. So, uh, did we hit on everything? Uh, I want to hit something real quick. I got to go back to Randy. Um, not because I'm a Randy lover. I do love Randy, and I like AJ Styles. I like, I like Randy versus AJ at WrestleMania. I like the angle. I like you the should. angle. I like the promo. The promo. WWE Dante is getting edgier. WWE. <laughs> Can I cuss on this podcast? I won't cuss, but I will. I will allude to what Randy Orton said. That if you guys have not seen SmackDown, um, AJ Styles comes out. Um, and he addresses Randy Orton. Randy Orton comes out, and they have this banter back and forth. AJ says, "You wouldn't have cut it in the Indies." I don't see how because Randy Orton is a if you build <laughs> if you build a professional wrestler from the ground up, it will be Randy Orton. It will be Randall Keith Orton, okay, man. Um Randy says while you were out there getting paid twelve dollars a show, I was becoming the youngest world heavyweight champion. Great, great stuff. Randy says something to the effect of um this is my playground, something you son of a bleep 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 the bleep bleep bleep, right? I loved it. I loved it. The house that Randy Orton that's built. It. That's what he said. Not the house that AJ built. This is the house that Randy built. AJ goes, well, look, we um we are, you know, we were original. We were groundbreaking on the Indies. 
And he said, oh, y'all didn't steal anything from uh, the WWE? And he put up the too sweet. I was like, oh, my. I said, shade throw. So, to me, one of the greatest promos I've seen this, this year so far, okay? One of the greatest promos. The way it, it, it was good from beginning, middle to end. Like, it was great. Um, I'm going to tell you what that took me back to. That took me back to Randy Orton's promo right after he won the World Heavyweight Championship. And he said, at 24, I'm winning World Heavyweight Championships in the main event. He goes, what are y'all, what did y'all do with y'all at 24? <laughs> it took me back to that. You know, Best promo in five years. When when Randy Orton is real, I remember oh I remember a promo he had. Um, God, I could go on and on about Randy promos, <laughs> but I was back to the legitimacy of this match. I think that what we are what, what we're looking at is um, a Michael Jordan versus a Magic Johnson at 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 those ages, though. You know, they're not at their they're not at their prime. They're a little bit past their prime, but they're still good. They're still good, though. And you get to see two veterans from two different sides mm-hmm. of the coins, excellent in-ring performers, excellent storytellers, excellent characters go at it. I'm probably, this is the most, aside from Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda, I'm most looking forward to this match. Not just because it's Randy Orton, but I've wanted to see a Randy Orton and AJ Styles feud for a long time. Since AJ Styles got... Since AJ came to WWE, and especially since he got to um, SmackDown, he would always say the house that AJ built. And in my mind, Dante, I would be saying the house that AJ built, the house that Randy built. (laughs) I go, no, that's TNA, AJ. (laughs) Right, you built TNA, not SmackDown. I've been waiting for somebody to challenge that, and I think Randy's the perfect guy to challenge that. Because really. When you look at the, the young guys who became stars during the original brand split, Randy's one of them. He is. R- Randy, SmackDown was really the vehicle for Randy to become yep. what he became. Yep. Uh, because he went to SmackDown after Evolution. So Evolution got him over. But when he went to SmackDown and started running around shot SmackDown, when he could stay clean and not get suspended, yeah. that was also kind of idiotic Randy era too. Uh, oh my goodness! He he became he he became he became a but, star. I am very much looking forward to that match as well. Think about all the people, all the superstars that came through SmackDown. You got Taker, um, gone. Edge gone. Mysterio kind of was gone back. And mid card player. You look at all these people who carried SmackDown. Randy is the only one that's still there and is still carrying SmackDown. You know, so because he was twenty years old. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm also looking forward to looking forward to Raw versus Drew. Um, I want to see if WWE is going to do the right thing and use this match. Your your now, your you, phone your phone's making that weird. I'm a I'm a uh, robot sound again. Now, you know how I feel about it. I think that is the next big time heel. And since he's been back, and I kind of followed him via YouTube when he was when he was in, in the UK for World Culture and some of his stuff on Impact, but he learned who he was when he left. And now I'll tell you this, you build a pro wrestler from the ground up. Drew McIntyre's picture might be right next to Randy Orton. Might be. It might be. I'm curious to see if Roman puts Drew over. Because we know inevitably now that Roman's back, what's going to happen? We do. Roman's the, Roman's the man. At some point, he's going to be Universal Champion again. He needs a monster heel to legitimize his, his run. And Drew's that guy. Drew is that guy. Even if it's a situation where Drew wins the championship and Roman chases, Drew's that guy. He is the next. Um, if, I, if I can channel uh, my inner Paul Heyman, he's the next big thing. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, there's there's so much more I wanted to see. There's one more thing I, we got. We got to touch on though, before we go. 
Um, what do you think about Heyman bringing out Sheldon Benjamin? Um, it was it was it was a good spot for Sheldon because Sheldon's career is winding down, mm-hmm. and I, I, you you do know the they were, they were on the same uh, national championship winning team at Minnesota. Yep. Uh, he coached Brock at Minnesota because when when uh, Sheldon's a couple years older than Brock, Brock was going after. Last national championship as a senior, uh, Sheldon was his coach. OVW, Sheldon was his coach. So there is a connection there. Um, I thought the match was fantastic. I mean, look, Sheldon can still work. He can. One of the best workers. Sheldon's one of those guys. No different than a lot of other guys that aren't great promos. I'll toss in Apollo Crews in there as well. Because to me, you know, Apollo Crews and Sheldon Benjamin and Jace. Mm-hmm. Uh, great look. Great athleticism. Great work. No character. True. Uh, and as part, he was great with Charlie Haas and Kurt Angle. He was. Uh, and he's, he's, he's great in a tag team situation when, you ha- when he has a partner with a personality. Uh, and that's fine. And, you know, you could have always just given him a heater. Uh, but they didn't. But I, I like it, and I think that was probably just for Monday because I think Brock's supposed to be on Raw this Monday night. Um, you know, he'll be on the couple Raws pre-WrestleMania. All right. Let's wrap it up. Dante, take us out of here, man. Take us home. Um, shout out to Pastor Dez. This, this was inevitable. We kept kind of playing with it. Now we finally did it. Um, this is hopefully the first of many. Yes. Unless, unless, unless one of us dies, I don't really see it. Us not. The Alisea Marketing Machine will be behind this podcast. Uh, so please check us out on every platform and form that this podcast is available. Um, God bless everybody, especially Destiny Jones. I just want to shout out Special Delivery. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Preachers and pinfalls. One, two, three. We're out. Like, one, two, three. Like, you know, you, you get somebody pinned. I just kind of made that up. Whatever. Great <laughs> We're out of here, man. <laughs>